The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. We continue reading in the book of Exodus. Now we're in chapter 33 and 34. In chapter 33, there is introduced the concept of the tent of meeting. And this was a provisional place where God would meet with Moses to be present to his people. This was going to be a foreshadowing, a type of the fulfillment, which would be the incarnation of Christ and his sacramental presence in the Eucharist that we are going to share this morning. So it says Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. We see the fulfillment of this, as I mentioned, in John's Gospel, the prologue, where it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt is the word tabernacle, tabernacle with us in the flesh. We can extend this principle to our own personal lives because really we are now the tent of meeting. We are the tabernacle where God dwells within our souls. And since that's the case, we're called to take care of the state of our soul as you are this morning, coming here to offer God your daily worship. But daily prayer, offering our bodies as sacrifices, pleasing to the Lord, not conforming our mind to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind in our spirits. Now we get to chapter 34, and the lectionary skips an important part of it. It's a really interesting dialogue between God and Moses that I would like to read for you because it gives us a good introduction into what is actually happening in this very important chapter 34. So let's just go back to chapter 33 and start the dialogue. At verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I beg you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me now your ways, that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not carry us up from here. But how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us 
that we are distinct, I and your people? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, I beg you, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand upon the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. That's a wonderful dialogue because Moses knows that he has favor with the Lord, but he's not so sure about the people. This is right after the apostasy of the golden calf when Moses was with God on Mount Sinai and spent much time in that beautiful presence. At the same time, the people were worshiping golden calf and involved in all kinds of revelry. It was the greatest apostasy that actually mirrored the original sin in Genesis. Moses is the intercessor and he says, yes, I know you're with me, but I want you to be with my people, with your people. And now we begin chapter 34. God calls Moses up the mountain once again because Moses broke the tablets after he saw the people sin so badly. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousands generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Here we have God not just saying that he's merciful, but he is mercy itself. Has said is that Hebrew word in the Old Testament that really colors the entire presence of God. It's tied to the covenant where God will say, even though Israel forsakes the covenant and falls into idolatry, I will not forsake my people. Here's the Lord saying, I am mercy, steadfast mercy, slow to anger, keeping steadfast love to a thousand generations. Now the question is, why does he say, I will visit iniquity upon the parents and the children to the third and fourth generation? That seems harsh on those children. But it's because at that time, there was an extended family that lived together under the same household. So you had the grandparents, the parents, the children, the grandchildren, all living together. And if the sins of the grandparents were passed down to the parents, and the children and grandchildren lived with them, they would obviously pick it up. And so they would be involved in sin and adultery as well. And God's saying that he will judge everyone for the sin they commit, but he is mercy. And that mercy will be extended in the fullest sense, as we know in the New Testament, when Christ comes among us, the Lord. And he will say, I will forgive anyone who comes to me with repentance. And in fact, he starts the whole church based on that promise he gives to the apostles. Whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whatever sins you retain are retained. All we have to do is come to confession and our sins are forgiven. And that extends to 
every generation and every person in particular. So it's a wonderful set of reading for us to understand how much God loves us, that he has extended the tent of meeting into our soul, into the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist that will come into our soul, and he has offered us unlimited forgiveness of sins so that we will be with him, and he will be with us, and we will say, see, this is our God. This is the one we hoped for. This is the one who will bring us to everlasting life. Whatever else we go through in the day, stress, disappointment, bad health, we know the goal and the end has already been purchased. Eternal life, eternal happiness with all the saints and angels in heaven. And it's because of this passage in the book of Exodus, which is a type and foreshadowing of Christ and his mercy extended to us personally today.